Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with the season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. Mm. My name is Caitlin. My name is Jamie. And we are here to talk about movies and how women are portrayed in movies. As Per usual. As per usual, we are inspired. We're so inspired uh. by the Bechdel test, which requires that a movie has two women. They have to have names. They have to have a conversation. Mm. Their conversation mm. has to be about something other than a man. Does it ever happen? Almost mm. never. <laughs> we, tr- we tried to crunch the numbers of episodes we've done so far not too long ago, and we got too frustrated and gave yeah. up. Right. Especially because so many of them I couldn't even remember, which Pie means chart forthcoming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should shell out some hot stats. Oh, love a love a good chart. Give me a graph. Give, Give me, me a, a chart. Give me the data. Mm. Give me the metadata. Ooh, yeah. yeah. So this is about to be an interesting episode. Yeah, it's my fault. Because don't worry, Listen. I'm not here to shame you. I Don't shame am. yourself. I am. But That's we, why I was born. <laughs> we were recording this intro post the recording 9/11. of the episode. <laughs> post 9-11, certainly. So oh, yeah. we're recording this intro post recording of the episode because we had a situation yeah. where Jamie had to be somewhere else. I have a bunch of pictures of me dancing with a red-headed child. <laughs> Honestly, As evidence of how I spent my time. So we had to record without you. So the episode you're about to hear is just a hero's journey. A, you're right. Uh-huh. It's me, Caitlin, and it's our guest. But we still have things to say. We do. You and I. We have unfinished. Books. We have unfinished business. <laughs> so yeah, Jamie and I will check back in toward the end. But for now, enjoy this episode with Caitlin, and she has a 
Comedy Central half hour. She's been on Late Night with Seth Meyers. She was a writer for Broad City and currently writes on Great News. Naomi Akparagan. Hey. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. So we're pretending right now as though Jamie's here. She's not surprised. Why she did had you to like go blow up the spot? Because I was like totally prepared to pretend like I was talking I know, to people. But then people would notice because she be is silent. not chiming in. Right, right. People right, would right, be right. like, well, why isn't Jamie saying anything? What if it was just like, oh, we tied her up, but we wanted her to be here. Do you know what I mean? That could be fun. That could be a well, fun layer. We do tie people up, but it's only the men guests we have on the show. That's smart. Because, of course, you know, we're here to talk about women in movies. (laughs) If a man dares to enter our podcast premises, they can, but they have to pay a price. And we do have to tie them up. I do notice that your producer is a submissive. So um, (laughs) that does make a lot of sense, you know. Shout out to Aristotle, the most wonderful man in the world. He's so sweet and he's the greatest. He's sitting blushing in the corner, shaking his head. Like a real power bottom. (laughs) There we go. Oh, man. Anyway, thank you so much for being here. We're here to talk about the movie When Harry Met Sally. Oh, yes. So you said this is a movie you've seen dozens of times, a bunch of times. So many. Own it on DVD. Love it. Nice. When did you first see it? I was probably in eighth or ninth grade when I saw it. So, you know, like I was like... I feel like I just found Ani DeFranco. I was having a lot of feelings. I was like a very naturally romantic child, you know, really into all the Bronte sisters Mm -hmm. and just like longing as a concept. We've you know? got Emily. We've got Charlotte. I Char- don't <laughs> Charlotte. Don't We've got that. Samantha. We've got Carrie. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Wrong group of women. Whoops. <laughs> We've got Raphael. We've got Michelangelo. <laughs> oh, no. That's not even women or humans. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> anyway, so you saw it early on and you've seen it. It's one of your favorite movies? You it, it's definitely like a comfort movie. You know, I think as I've gotten older, of course, it is dated, you know? Mm-hmm. Feels a little cheesy, but I really love it. What I also love, you know, I'm from New York and it's a New York movie. You know, like the settings are like they really shoot New York really well and it's so pretty and stuff like that, you know, and it kind of captures New York on all four seasons. It's like the lovely moan of them in the fall and fucking Central Park and it's just like oh, orange the and foliage. Gold. Hello. The <sighs> foliage alone the foliage alone (laughs) is worth rewinding (laughs) yeah so i think i saw this movie for the first time probably in college Uh, i was a bit older when i saw most of the movies i saw because surprise i went to film school and then i went (laughs) and got a master's degree in screenwriting from boston university brag i love it i almost went to get i was gonna do a phd in film studies I, i majored in film and english and my thesis was a screenplay. Nice. But then a I was feature? Like, yeah. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll be like a professor or like, you know, like an academic, you mm-hmm. know, and really study like race and film and get really gritty. And then like after a couple years out of college, I was like, I don't want to go back to homework. <laughs> and there goes that life, Joey. Hey, there's still time. Girl, please. <laughs> I am too old to be listening to anybody. True. I mean, no. Why did I say that? <laughs> I just feel like I would just reach this age where I'd be like, 
You want me to do what? I mean, why exactly? I have cats to feed. You know what I mean is you don't have to listen to anyone. You're not too old to do anything. Thank you so much. That's so helpful. Wait, do you have cats? I do. I have two <gasps> cat children. Oh my god! I just I flew love them cats. here. Just oh my god! You should come by. We just flew them here from New York. It was the first time with them on a plane. Whew, it was very stressful, but they made it through. I would like to remind everyone that cats do have eight nipples, and they can see ghosts, as we learned from the movie Ghost. Ghost. <laughs> do they have eight? I mean, do boys have eight? This is the question Because we have male cats. Up. I have male cats, and I've never felt eight. You will? I've never felt eight. Count them. They're there. They might not be as prominent. They're not. But are you, you maybe can... Are you only seeing pregnant cats? No, I mean, I'm not, like, <laughs> investigating every cat. But if you Google how many nipples does a cat have, the answer is eight with both men and women cat, Men and women cats. Yeah, okay. men and women cats. Female and male cats. They all have eight nipples, even the boy cats, even the males. Wow. So this has been another episode of Cat Facts. <laughs> cat Facts with Caitlin. Cat anyway, Facts with Caitlin. So let's talk about the movie oh so you went to film school you ma- or you majored in film and english mm-hmm. great so you're a great guest to have on you know all about all the stuff um i'll go into my recap please do of- please do break it down when harry met sally is the story of harry and sally they meet on a drive a road trip from chicago to new york when they're i think have both graduated college yes and they don't like each other. Their personalities just like don't mesh very well. Mm-mm. In their trip, they have a discussion. Harry's like, oh, men and women can't be friends because the sex always gets in the way. Men are always going to want to fuck the woman. Even if he doesn't think she's hot, he's still going to want to fuck her. And she's like, well, that's pish posh. And <laughs> well, that's pish posh. <laughs> correct. They have that conversation. And he kind of, he's like, well, you're attractive. She's like, you can't come on to me. I'm uptight and I'm delicate. And I like to spend 40 minutes ordering apple pie. (laughs) Which, by the way, what monster orders strawberry Strawberry ice ice cream cream on apple apple pie? pie. I know. I know. know. It is disgusting. It is disgusting. Truly awful. Truly awful. I'm with you on that. So he's like, oh, man, you're kind of cute. And she's like, you're dating my friend. You can't come on to me. And then they have the whole discussion where, oh, men and women can't be friends. And then they kind of part ways. And we fast forward. Fast forward five years. Five years. They meet again. On an airplane. She's got a new guy. He's like supposed to be 80s hot, but it's pretty basic. (laughs) He's blonde. He's a blonde He's a blonde, but it's like a very deep part. And it's like the 80s. There were certain guys where it was like, did you do too much cocaine? Like you could be 40, you could be 22. And he's kind of in that world. You know what I mean? But he's supposed to be like the perfect guy. His name is Joe. Joe. Ugh. These one-syllable names. No thanks. <laughs> Joe. Anyway, so... Uh, Real hard stance, Caitlin. <laughs> Coming out here. So they, they reconnect on an airplane. And they have the conversation again. Can men and women be friends? Because at this point, they're now in relationships, both of them. And yes. they're like, well, maybe we can. And then I'm like, I don't know. And then... They part ways again, and then flash forward another five years. Correct. They meet up again. I'm blinking on where they meet, though. At a bookstore. Yes, they're in the bookstore. He's now going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. She's still with the guy with the blonde side part. No, she has broken up with him as well. They broke, her and Jay broke up. Oh, right, because then they start, okay, now, yes, yes, you're right. Now they're both single, and then, like, let's be friends. We both have broken hearts and are both feeling bad for ourselves. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So let's be friends. Alongside all of this, you have Debbie Reynolds. No, that's not her name. Carrie Fisher. Thank you so much (laughs) for that. I was literally thinking Carrie Fisher. And then I was like, that's wrong. I love this movie. I, you probably don't think so based on the fact that I can't remember anyone's names. Because all I, all I think of is like short hair girl. Because like for me, I don't know. I, like, I think I'm 13 in my mind whenever I watch that movie. Anyway, <laughs> then Carrie Fisher. Her character's name is Marie. Marie is like, again, she's kind of like a runner along the whole movie. Like she's thirsty. She's with this married man that she cannot let go of. Mm-hmm. So Sally and Marie are in the bookstore. They spot Harry. And like I love the world in which Billy Crystal's like hot. You know? <laughs> so like I love Marie's like, Oh, who's he? Like, by the self-help books. And you're just like, Billy Crystal, (laughs) did you write this for yourself? (laughs) But they reconnect in the bookstore, and then they are like, maybe it's time that we can be friends. And they develop this close bond. It's a very tender bond. I'm like obsessed with their bond. It's a lot of just like long shots of them walking through New York, and he's basically telling her to loosen up, and she's telling him to have emotions. And you're just like... They get this a is Christmas a tree at the uh, Christmas tree shop. I love it. Do you know, I know that tree shop and right next to it was a pet store. It was like the plant shed and the pet shed. Mm. And I would always go to the pet shed to pick up gold feeder fish for my turtles. You've got turtles as I well. I did have turtles. Oh, you did. This, okay. is back, this is back in my youth. Got it, got it. You know, I'm a real turtle head. <laughs> Glad to hear it. <laughs> turtles don't have any nipples. Agree. Okay, I good. agree with that scientific fact. I can't. I can't. I'm like, the fact that you just like, I was like, I have cats. And then she was like, they have eight nipples. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I want you to go home tonight and count your male cat Will not do nipples. it. Will not do it. Cannot feel them. <laughs> I've only felt two, and that's all I need to feel. <laughs> well, for you listeners out there at home who have cats, male or female, please count the nipples <laughs> and tell us Nipples play a prominent role in this podcast because we rate every movie on our nipple scale. Oh. Zero to five nipples. We Toward the end, we'll okay. rate. Okay. So get ready for that. Mm-hmm. But until then, we have a lot more important cat nipples to talk about. Just kidding. <laughs> We're talking about When Harry Met Sally. So... I'm still halfway through the story. I know. That's why. Okay. Let me. Okay. So then. So they're like friends. There's a big moment when Sally finds out that Joe, blonde side part, Mm -hmm. is engaged. Yes. Now their whole relationship. He was like, I don't want to be married. Lie. He then calls her to tell her. He's like, I started seeing someone else and we're getting married. Yes. Sally can't even. Okay. She cannot even. She cannot even. What I love is that she like lives in a fucking Laura Ashley dream home. It's like all, you know, like like flower prints and even though she's been sobbing, her hair is perfectly coiled and she calls <laughs> Harry because you know, they have a lot of phone calls late at night. They're very They're BFF. always watching Casablanca. Together. This is the only thing on TV late at night. <laughs> and when you're lonely and can't sleep, you turn on Casablanca. So she calls him to come over. Yeah. Am I ruining it? It's like this is your, something you're no, supposed to do. I've, like, I'm a please. guest who literally took over the podcast. Please. But it's because I'm like, let us get to the part because we're about to hit the turn. We're yes. about to hit the turn. Uh-huh. So he comes over because she's like, I'm so sad. Joe's getting married. Throwing so, around tissues everywhere, all willy nilly. She's throwing around <sighs> tissues. She's hiccuping. <laughs> she can't even, t- she can't take anything. Like, the most beautiful crier I've ever seen. <laughs> and then in her sadness, her loneliness, she goes in for a kiss. She goes in for a kiss. In Harry's male thirst, he accepts this kiss 
and they have the sex. I've heard mm-hmm. of it. Are you familiar? Mm-hmm. I hear about it every now and then, but I don't <laughs> like to get into details. So they have it the next morning. Now, it's two people who've been friends at this point for like, who've known each other for 15 years, who've like been friends for years. You would naturally assume that once you engage in the coitus, it's going to be like on like Donkey Kong, like we about to be a thing. Now, I don't want Harry Miss Sally. The next day, he fucking ghosts her uh-huh. a la Swayze and is like, I've got to go. <laughs> Maybe and you're familiar with the concept of ghosting <laughs> from the movie Ghost. Ghost? <laughs> You know, when you disappear, but then come back and stalk someone. Right. And so he, like, kind of, like, not blows her off, but he really, he treats her like a, he treats her like a random, he like a side piece. very withholding. That's your homegirl. Y'all was sitting and watch Casablanca over the phone together. Mm-hmm. And now you acting like you don't know nobody. Right. Now, as this all happens, Thirsty Marie has finally left the married guy and is now in a relationship with Harry's best friend. And so, of course, Harry and Sally can't, like, get rid of each other. They're best friends or a couple. You know, mm-hmm. so they go to inter- they like meet up later to game night. They're both seeing new people. They're trying to act like they don't care about the new people, but they totally do. Yep. And then it is New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. That's when it really comes because basically he's been trying to call her. There's a wonderful montage of him just constantly leaving messages that she's not picking up because she's like, girl, bye. Finally, they're at this fancy New Year's Eve party. She's dolled up in like perfect 80s, like emerald green with a giant bow, like her best life. Right. And he's at home alone. And then finally, in one of the greatest running scenes of any movie, <laughs> he runs through the streets of New York of to get to this New Year's Eve party. And he finds her. He's like, why'd you come here, Harry? And he's like, because when you know you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. What a line. Oh, one of the best. <laughs> and then Meg Ryan does the lip quiver. That is just really her claim to fame in this movie. And she's like, this is why I hate you, Harry. I can't stay mad at you. Hello, cut to them being married. Because the second best part of this movie is that the interstitials of old couples, there's like these standalone interstitials of old couples who've been together, you know, 40, 50 years, Mm -hmm. like probably a one, two minute vignette of them just talking about like how they met or when they got married. And they're all like old and hilarious. And, and mostly f- white, but yes. mostly white. But then I was like, my favorite is the Asian couple, where the <laughs> where the Asian lady doesn't say a word. <laughs> right? She does not speak a sound. I almost don't even know if she's paying attention. <laughs> and he's telling the story of being like, she was beautiful, so I decided to marry her. And she's yeah. just like, I'll co-sign that. <laughs> so that's like my favorite. So at the end, you see that they're married, and so it's like really, really tender, and it's like all I ever wanted when I was little. And like Sally, I'm a very difficult orderer. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me yeah. an example. I would never fucking put ice cream and apple pie, but like, here's my thing about restaurants. I consider a menu to be a jumping off point for sure. negotiations, okay? <laughs> I'm looking at that menu. That's basically you telling me what's in the kitchen. Uh-huh. Okay? So most of the time, I'm going to see what you got, and I'm like, let's see how we can judge it up. Let's see how we can make it my thing. I just am very difficult. So like when, you know, and I, and I wonder sometimes if I got that from Sally. Maybe. I wonder if I got it from her. You know, I was young. You're like, she can do it. Why can't I? Why can't I... And it's funny because she's in a, inspiring. In a way, I do have my uh, my Harry. You know, my Jubu. He did. He does say he's like, it's cute the way you order. And I was like, I did it. I found someone to brainwash who thought this was acceptable. <laughs> but the thing is, I'm really nice about it, Caitlin. When the server comes, I go, Hey, girl, I'm about to be a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. I try to set it up so that they're not so angry at me. That's very considerate of you. I want to point out that in the scene where we first see her ordering, when she does the devil's work and orders (laughs) strawberry ice cream on an apple pie. 
toward the end of that scene, she's like doing the math to figure out the tip. Yeah. And you find out that she's only tipping 15%. Really? She's like, so 15% of this makes my share 690 or something like that. And it's like, uh, what? You were a pain in the fucking asshole. <laughs> you need to tip at 20. least 20. You gotta be going under. 25, I would wow. say. For how, for 20 how annoying is standard. She but because she's so annoying about it, she should have gone the extra mile. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, she totally cheaped out on that. Let's Poor waitress. Well, One of the few people POCs of color in the, <laughs> in the whole movie that's set in New York. I but know. Guess it's like what? so fun. One of those fun versions of New York where there's, I guess, only white people live here. But there are a lot of people who live in that version of New York. True. Like in real life, you know? Yeah. Like I went to private school in the Upper East Side and it was like unreal how oh, I'd be yeah, like, oh, that... the only brown person you know is your nanny? That's weird. Mm. But it's doable. If you like don't leave Park Avenue. Yeah, I suppose you know? so. You can make it work. Good for you. I used to live in Spanish Harlem mm-hmm. and was one of only a few white people in my neighborhood. So Were you proud of yourself? I wouldn't go so far as to say that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, you had come from Boston, right? I didn't grow up there. I grew up in rural western Pennsylvania, which is a very white... Clan country, right? Kind of. Yeah. Like the w- grand wizard of yeah. the clan sector. I don't know how it works. Sector. I am proud to not know yeah. how yeah, the yeah, clan yeah. works. I am proud of that. Proud of that. Yeah. But he lived in like the next town over. Cool. So. Cool. Yep. Uh, and I was yeah. like, hey, maybe I shouldn't live here anymore. And I got the fuck out as soon as I could. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta. You gotta. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. When Harry Met Sally, very white movie. It's true. It's funny because, again, looking back, I think for me it was so 80s. It really exemplifies the 80s to mm-hmm. me. You know what I mean? Like between their style and then like just that kind of romantic comedy because really the way it's made, you know, it's I'm, I'm like, oh, this could be a play. Do you know what I mean? Because it's really just a series Talking of conversations. Yeah, a series of conversations. Yep. Just a series of conversations against backdrops. And they do well to like make New York, like it does look pretty at times. Mm-hmm. But so much of it is just like, okay, now we're going to go talk over here. Now we're going to talk in here. And it's really a movie that relies on timing and like that like witty banter. Like I feel like you yeah. couldn't make that movie now. Or if you did, it would, be very, it would not be in many theaters at all. You know what right. I mean? You know, in movies now, you need so many set pieces and big dance sequence at the end, <laughs> a la train wreck, or stuff like that. But um, I'm going to take this opportunity now to say that I don't think I like this movie very much. All right, I, put it out there. Put it out there. <laughs> it is annoying to me how, sure, it's about like interpersonal relationships <laughs> and stuff like that. I find it kind of boring. Yeah. I think... For a rom-com, there's not that much Calm. comedy in it. Not a lot of com. And, you know, Billy Crystal, I suppose, is a charming <laughs> slash annoying <laughs> character. And, you know, there's so some amazing... So is Meg Ryan. She, charming slash annoying. Yeah. But she... I don't find her an inherently funny person. Right. She might have funny lines that she tries to deliver in a funny way. Mm-hmm. That's the problem... I won't get into it, how they should cast female comics in comedy movies and not actresses who don't know how to But that's be. only if you actually want the woman to be funny. Right. Meg Ryan's character is pretty much like a shrew or she's like this uptight, frigid woman, right? Like she's not really funny. The whole idea, it, or not whole idea, but it feels like what happens is Billy Crystal's supposed to loosen her up. Yes. Right? Like he gets to be the funny sure. one and she's like, mm, no. 
But that's such an annoying trope that keeps happening in rom-coms. Like, why can't a woman be one of the funny people in the movie? It's so, that's what bothers me about a lot of rom-coms where it's like this uptight woman and she has to be kind of broken down by this guy who comes along. And I'd rather, and I think this is a symptom of one of the things we talk about on this podcast where women are just often pigeonholed into these like specific roles or Mm -hmm. tropes or archetypes where they're like, I'm not this type of person. So I really like in a movie where a a woman character is funny and like Mm -hmm. has funny lines to say and makes me laugh because you don't see that that often. Yeah, no, definitely. But uh, sorry to go on a rant. No, that was not a rant. (laughs) You can't, you know, no, it's not a rant if you talk for more than 30 seconds. It's a rant if you yell for more than five minutes. Oh, sure. Do you see the difference? I see the difference. I think ranting really requires a level of yelling and intensity. I can yell. I'll yell. Because I feel like (laughs) we say we're ranting and like to apologize for having an opinion that we want to explain. No, you're fine. I get it. I have a problem with Manic Pixie Dream Girls. I can't yeah. take a white girl with a bang a running around trying to teach some dude. trope. Like, I can't. And especially, like, it can only be, like, white women who get to have whimsy in general. And mm-hmm. then also just the idea of that woman who's just like, I'm so free. Come into my world. And it's like, bitch, how do you pay bills? You know what I'm saying? And like, right. I, and that's one of the, I feel like that's a newer one. That's, like, of for, uh, I feel like it's of the 2000s. Yes. If you think about like a lot of 90s, it tended to be a woman who was more like tough or was like 10 things I hate about you. You know, she's a tough girl. And like, yep. and then some guy comes along and teaches her to let love in. Right. You know, and then it became an uptight guy and then like a whimsical girl who like sleeps on angel's wings. <laughs> right. Yes, I find that trope very annoying. Would you like some? We're examining the wine that I brought. <laughs> Let me point out that it is in a plastic bottle. <laughs> yep, uh, I am drinking Crane Lake Chardonnay, except it's not Crane Lake Chardonnay. This is Trader Joe's Two Buck Chuck that I put inside the plastic <laughs> bottle that I saved because it's a great amount for a podcast. Reduce, reuse, get drunk. Hell what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What were we talking about? Let's <laughs> talking get into about you not liking when Harry meets Sally. Yeah, so I don't think it's terrible. I like that a woman wrote it, Nora Ephron. Love Ephron. Girl. She's always having a good time. But I think the problem with this movie for me is that it's, for starters, very heteronormative to the oh, point yeah. where, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. which of course most rom coms are, but this movie is heteronormative to the point where it's like men and women can't be friends right. <laughs> because I've never heard of a gay person and there's no such thing as relationships between a gay man and a straight woman or vice versa like discounting that relationship dynamic entirely also just the idea that even two hetero people a hetero guy and girl can't be friends because this movie sort of at least popularized the idea that men and women can't have a platonic relationship <laughs> Because they're just going to want to fuck each other, which I don't know. Maybe I'm being naive, but also I have no a bunch of platonic friends. It's just like a very, and maybe it was like well, it the is, thing of 1989 when this movie came out, but I, I just. Think, I mean, it is very dated and I think it, I mean, definitely, like you know, dated, conservative. I think it was of its time in that sense of like, what, like, can you think of any mainstream movie? That didn't take like a really basic, hard cis heteronormative. Of that line. era? Yeah, of that era. Not mainstream, no. You know, exactly. I feel like, well, if this is gonna get made, and again, I'm like, 
did it start as a play down in the West Village? Do you know what I mean? It's also it's also a movie to me where the audience is the characters. The audience are white people in their like 30s or 40s who are upwardly mobile, liberal-ish. You know what I mean? Like it is for that tribe. And yet, like I feel like when I was like 13 or 14, when I couldn't be friends with boys, like any guy I was like near, I was like, oh, I want, I want you to be my boyfriend. Like that, it made sense to me at the uh-huh. time. Definitely. Do you know what I mean? Because it was like, I just had crushes all the time on every... I was so thirsty. And this is like a movie about thirst, you know? And it really spoke to me as a teen. It's funny because I watched it recently with my fiance who had never seen it. Mm. And we watched it and I was just like, gotta love it. I was just like, it is so cheesy, but it like takes me back to this time in my life where like, it was the most romantic, cutest, sweetest thing. You know what I mean? It's one of the quintessential rom-coms. To this day. It's got some witty, it's got some pithy banter. Like, they do have a good rhythm. Because, again, it is a, a stage play. <laughs> so, like, the only way it's gonna work is if they kind of have a little something going. Sure. And I think they do to keep you going. And there's a moment, you know, it's like, but it's very, I did find when I was watching it this last time, it did feel like it didn't, nothing happened. <laughs> it felt very yeah. like, okay, so when are they gonna get together? So when is it gonna happen? And maybe it's just because we live in 2017 right now as we were, are recording this. I know listeners are going to keep going back to this. Right, this, right, right, right. Right now it might be 2045. 45. It might be 2168 right now. And this podcast has stood Survive. the test of time. Yeah, it survived the singularity, certainly. So, you know? right. <laughs> So all of you machines slash robots who have human consciousness uploaded into your microchip in your head. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of you guys listening out there, things were a bit different in 1989. Right, 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 right. There were genders. Uh, They weren't fluid. Yeah. There was no spectrum. Everything was very binary. Very binary. So yeah, like we mentioned, this movie is not necessarily aging well, (laughs) but... I think it's also, I think it's also for me too, I think it's the New Yorker in me, right? Like those cute little like pretty shots and moments where like, I know that place, I know that place, you know, and being like, ooh, I can't wait till I'm an adult in New York and I'm walking around with my boyfriend and then we're doing this and that and the other, (laughs) you know? And then I found a Jewish man who won't bring a Christmas tree into our house. Oh, So that's, you know, so that dream died. Let's talk about the fake orgasm scene. Oh, the famous fake orgasm. Yeah, maybe it's because Meg Ryan isn't particularly sexualized that much throughout this movie, which is a thing that I like about it. Yeah. You know, a lot of movies are like, oh, we have a woman character in this. Better put her in a midriff top (laughs) and make sure she's got giant tits and have her not say anything. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So at least they didn't do that to our little Meg Ryan. (laughs) But for her to, like, fake an orgasm in a diner in, like, a pretty non-sexy way, like, she's just like, "Mm." (laughs) I feel like she does. (laughs) There's some, like, weird guttural, like, oh, yes. uh, (laughs) It's so funny to me. Well, to me, it also made no sense that her character would do that. Totally. An uptight woman like her who, like, I'm like, suddenly you're making orgasm sounds in public. Like, That's was, the like, type of thing a manic fun. pixie dream girl would do. Yeah. But not, like, uptight. No, not her kid. No Sally. way. Sally Albright would never. Uh-uh. Yeah. So I was kind of like, what are you doing? What's become of you? And then the way she just goes back to eating all smug. I'll have it she's, she's having. having. And wasn't that Rob Reiner's mom? 
oh, was it? And it's like the most famous line in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like apparently overseas, it was the most popular thing (laughs) to ever happen. So, okay. So we have a few female characters to talk about. By the way, Jamie's still not here. We've been talking for a good, how long has it been, Aristotle? 40 minutes? (laughs) Jamie, for some reason, double booked a thing where I think she's, it's not a photo shoot, but she needs to have photos taken of her. I'm not sure. She's helping out a friend. Uh-huh. Oh, great for her. Great for I'm her. having a great time with you so far. In yeah, fact, if Jamie too. comes in, I'm going to be like, you know what? Stay Sit out. This one out. Stay <laughs> out. You missed it. We don't need Jamie. Although, I miss Do her. Do you feel like you need Jamie, Caitlin? <laughs> Do you feel like you need... Because she's really protesting too no. much, you know? She's really saying how she doesn't need Jamie, which leads me to believe she needs Jamie. Hey, there's some subtext there, maybe. <laughs> but... So we've got Marie, which is Carrie Fisher, not, and not her mother. <laughs> Why did I do that? <laughs> oh, the internet is going to rip me apart. No, it's okay. So in terms of like the portrayal of the women characters in this movie, they're mm-hmm. only ever... I mean, we'll get into this later about whether or not the movie passes the Bechdel test, mm-hmm. but there are a number of women characters and they do talk to each other. That's great. <laughs> but the talk. whole thing... And this is about this. what this movie is about. It's mm-hmm. about... Romance. It's about hetero romantic relationships, specifically between Harry and Sally. So it makes sense that they'd be talking, like if women are talking, that they'd be talking about men. Um, but only? But right, exactly. <laughs> and even when Sally and like her friend Marie or her friend Alice are talking, every, every single thing, it's just frustrating to have a portrayal of women where basically the only thing that's important to them, at least as far as we can tell, is their relationship to men. Like, what does Sally do for a living? Exactly. Like, we see her in what looks, at one point I'm like, are you a stewardess? She has like this outfit with like a, like an ass, <laughs> not an ascot, but not a tie. A scarf Yeah. Thing. And so at first I was like, are you a stewardess? I was like, no. Like, you're supposedly some business lady. She had a very nice she... apartment. But it's like, what do you do? Right, okay. So she is a journalist, she says. She is a journalist. But we don't, we see don't her know journaling. what kind, what sort of things she covers. Right. She did in the opening scene. She's like, "I'm gonna go be a journalist. I'm gonna right. go to journalism she did say school." She was gonna be a journalist. And then when they meet again on the plane, he's like, "Did you? Oh, you were gonna be a gymnast." And she said, Journal. "She's like journalist." And he's like, "Yeah, that's what I said," which is, I guess, a funny joke, but no, it's not. Sorry, Nora Ephron. <laughs> but she, I guess, had a goal and set out to do it and did it. But then we don't know anything about her job. Granted, we don't know anything about the other guy. Like. Harry is a political analyst or consultant or something like that. I would have loved to just see anyone at their job. Right. We have Marie and Jess talk about writing. Yeah. Right? Like, he gets, like, we talk about his work, and then, of course, that she loves his work. But oh, he talks about so his work. to me. You know? But then, what else is anyone ever doing? Are you pursuing anything with your time? Right. It's all about getting that D. It's what this movie is about. I told you it's a movie about thirst. Yeah, it, totally. That scene where they're on like the double date when they're trying to set each other up with... Sally's trying to set up Harry with Marie. Yeah. And Harry is trying to set up Sally with Jess. But and then of course, it ends up that Marie and Jess go Marie together. and Jess have it. They've got the same haircut. They can share all sorts of product. <laughs> it makes sense. They do have... And uh, Jamie isn't here to corroborate this, but... Jamie Loftus has the Loftus test or the Loftus rule where the baldest woman is in charge. (laughs) (laughs) 
Carrie Fisher in this movie is the ball. She has the shortest hair. Right, right. But I wouldn't say she's in charge. So no. this movie does not pass the loftus test. <laughs> <laughs> but that scene drives me crazy where she's like, first of all, she says a quote that makes no sense, at least to me, where she's like, restaurants are in the 80s what to what theater is in the 60s or something right, like that. Right, right, right. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? She's like, I read that in a I magazine. I read that in a magazine. Like, At least I wrote that. Have her be like, that's a thing that I thought on my own. And then if they have parallel thinking, then it's not so much of like a jerk off moment for him. He's like, <laughs> I wrote that and you you liked what I've never had someone quote back to me. I've never I quoted wrote. an article before. Oh, God, we're so in love. So just a moment like that where like it could be more like they just have the same opinion about something where it's actually her regurgitating him crap to him. That he, right, right, right. And then he's just like, oh, I'm coming. I'm <laughs> it's so annoying that, like, that dynamic isn't more equal, where they just like, oh, I'm a woman with my own thoughts, and here's the thing that I think, and I'm a man with my own thoughts, and we happen to agree on this. It's just annoying to me. And it's just like... What does Marie do? We have no fucking idea. What does Alice do? No clue. This is what I'm talking about. What they do is thirst for men. Yes. They sit around. My favorite Marie has a Rolodex. Right. Which I was like, again, it's like so 80s. Like the fact that there was even a physical Rolodex. And then when it was like, he's married, she like takes the name and just folds the corner down. Like married. (laughs) He's not gone from the Rolodex. She believes he will be a viable option later. Because she's all into married men. Yeah. She's just like, I gotta, she probably, yeah, she's got that system. Yeah. Fold the corner down. This one will just be a little harder. Can you just imagine hearing a Rolodex? (laughs) Just carrying a Rolodex in your purse with just all your information. I just thought that was so funny. It was, again, of a time when that was what you did. She could have just had a date book. Right. No, she had a physical giant Rolodex. (laughs) (laughs) That scene is so funny. Because it lasts probably five minutes, and they literally only talk about four or five different men right? in yeah. the scene. But kind of hearkening back to the conversation about what do these people do for a living specifically, <laughs> Yeah, it just would have been nice to have them. I mean, sure, the movie is about their relationship, but throw in a fucking few subplots about anything else? A, a career anything else? aspiration she has yeah. or... A relationship with her mom or something like that. Just something where it's just not all about thirsty people trying to fuck. I want to see her or them be good at something. That's the other thing. That's the other thing, too. Because it feels like she is like an uptight woman. They only pretty much, I don't know, they're very interior. And it's kind of like, do you do anything for anybody else? Do you have any interest? Are you good at anything? Because to me, she is so... uh, type A that I need to see where that helps her yeah. anywhere. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm like, you're just, I'm like, this is not serving you in life. Right. And just, then you somehow then just like do a fake orgasm in a diner. So out and of character. Like, what? <laughs> right. Like, is she an investigative journalist where she has to like go and really sort of be like, Hound hey, people? I need, yeah. <laughs> that would make sense for her character and then also like show a different side of her, show a little dimension for her. Yeah. But we really only see these pretty one-dimensional characters. To be fair, both the men and the women are presented as pretty... Equally one-dimensional. Yeah. yeah. So that's just sort of a problem with yeah. the writing in general. Again, yeah. sorry, Nora Ephron. But 
am I going to write a script with my master's degree in screenwriting? Yes. Uh, that shows people with a little more dimension? Yes. Yes, I am. Excellent. I just have to get the motivation to do that. It's hard. If you can save a Crane Lake <laughs> bottle and refill it with three buck chuck for later, you can sit down and write this screenplay. You're a motivated woman. Thank you. <laughs> I really needed that pep talk. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts about the movie, how it portrays women, anything at all? You know, as you said, though, you know, everyone is pretty much like two dimensional. They really are archetypes. It for me is like comfort is the wrong word, but it's like one of those things you can like always have on in the background. Do you know what I mean? Like movies or TV shows where you're like, oh, yeah, that's sure. happening. And then you just turn around and you're like, ooh, foliage. And they were like, fun, chunky sweaters. And then yeah. you're done, you know? And those little interstitials with the couples are like my favorite thing. Someone told me recently that they're not real. They oh. were actors. And I thought they were real couples that they interviewed. And like, if that's true, that they're actors, like, the movie's dead to me. <laughs> so, I, you know, yeah, I listeners. Yeah, I they were actors. See, I assume that she like, you know, put out an ad, give me old couples with fun stories. Well, those, like none of them, half of the couples, like again, the woman's not talking, mm-hmm. or like they're not looking at people. Like they look so regular <laughs> that I just it could just be because they're they were... eighty years old, and like yeah. if they at one point were hot, <laughs> they're now eighty. <laughs> so. I know, but I'm just like, ugh. Anyway, if they're actors, then I think the. I mean, I think their stories, their scenes were a little too rehearsed and tidy to have been real people actually recounting real stories. Maybe the stories were real. Maybe I like think you just roll it a few times and you edit. I mean, cause Lord knows an old person knows how to repeat themselves. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They'll tell a fucking story from like 50 years ago. Sure. The same way every time and tell it to you like you never heard it before. Yeah, that is true. Not to say that all old people have Hashtag dementia. not old people. It's not about <laughs> dementia. I'm just, look, oh my God, you can't say a word. You can't hey, say a word anymore. Less dementia, more dimension. How about that, Hollywood? Woo! That makes no sense. I loved it. No, I loved it. <laughs> it was great. You know, it's like restaurants are to people in the 80s, what theater was to people in the 60s. Exactly. I know exactly what you mean yeah, when you yeah. say that. Yeah. So we've checked in with Jamie. Doesn't appear as though she will make it in time to do the things we do on this episode, <laughs> which is to determine whether or not it passes the Bechdel test, mm-hmm. rate the movie. So we'll do those things without her. So let's talk about whether or not the movie passes the Bechdel test. We've already sort of hinted at a number of scenes where women are talking. I have <laughs> detailed every single one I went through and made notes about every scene where a woman talks to another woman. Yep. So I'm just going to kind of go through each one, and yeah. I'll be like, hey, does this pass or no? So it happens right away when uh, Sally talks to her friend, who we later learn is named Amanda. Mm-hmm. She's like the college friend whenever they're yes. about to embark on their road trip. She's making out with Harry. Yep. Sally's sitting in the car, and she's just like... <clears throat> And then Amanda goes, oh, hi, Sally. Sally, this is Harry Burns. Harry, this is Sally Albright. That does not pass the test. No, it does not. It's introducing a man. Introducing a man. And Sally doesn't really respond to that or say anything. (laughs) That's not a conversation. That one does not pass. 
Then the next scene is they're like on their road trip. They stop at a diner. This is when Sally orders disgusting bullshit strawberry ice cream on her. Just don't even say it again. Don't even say it again. I'm vomiting. I'm frothing at the mouth (laughs) in disgust. But, you know, she's being all like, I want to do chef salad and an apple pie on the moon, and I'm a privileged picky bitch. It <laughs> just wants everything my way. So she's talking to the waitress ordering this. Yes. But that waitress does not have a name. No. And she just says, okay. Yeah. Like, she's just like, they're talking about food. So if we knew the waitress's name, because they have an exchange, but because we don't know the waitress's name, and that's one of the caveats of the version of the Bechtel test that we adhere to on the Bechtel cast, I say it does not pass. Right. So next one, the airplane scene. Sally is ordering again from a flight attendant and she's like, bloody Mary mix. Do you have it? Just kidding. I barely want any of it. (laughs) (laughs) I want mostly tomato. I'd like a raw tomato (laughs) uh, muddled with a splash of soda. Get a mortar and pestle and crush up the tomato and then put some vodka in it and that's the Bloody Mary I want. So that obviously does not pass because we don't know the flight attendant's name even though there's a tiny little bit of an interaction there. Next scene, the hilarious scene where they're at lunch, Sally, Marie, and Alice, and that's the one we already talked about, where they talk about like six different men. Right. Literally nothing else. Exactly. They don't talk about a single other, there's no other conversation topics besides Joe, the guy that Marie is trying to fuck even though he's married. Alice says some shit that's (laughs) about men. And then Marie pulls out her Rolodex. Oh, for more men. For more men. (laughs) So obviously does not pass. At least we know those characters' names. That helps. I guess. And then the next scene is Sally and Marie in the bookstore. When Harry comes into her life again, Marie's like, my married boyfriend just bought a nighty. Again, talking about a man. And then they talk about Harry. And then that's it. Marie immediately runs out of the scene. (laughs) Then the scene where they're on the double date. Even before that, Marie's talking about the dude who won't leave his wife. Right. Talking about a man. Then on the date, they don't even talk to each other. Right, right, right. And then after the date, they talk about whether or not to go home with the men. Yeah. Yep. Marie's like, do you mind if I go home with Jess? I do kind of like that scene because they're both like, Harry and Sally are both like, Harry's in a a fragile place. And (laughs) Sally's sad about her breakup. And so maybe you don't reject them right now. And then Jess is like, I'm going to get a cab. And she's like, I'm coming with you. (laughs) So that's funny. I enjoy that. (laughs) That one attempted a joke. I like. Caitlin will allow it. (laughs) Caitlin will allow it. I permit it. Now we've got the wagon wheel table Mm, scene. Marie asks Sally if she likes the table. Sally does not respond. (laughs) She... (laughs) shakes her head so there's no verbal communication there so far we're at none of these scenes pass the mm-hmm. test let's there's a few more fingers crossed let's see there's the party where they play Pictionary Sally's apparently not good at anything because <laughs> she sucks at drawing someone says we don't know who it is but someone's like where's the bathroom and Marie says down the hall <laughs> I love these recreations but We don't know who says that because we don't even see her speak on screen. And then afterwards, Sally and Marie are talking about Harry's date, which, okay. Right. It's not about a man. It's not about a man, but it's about the man's new girlfriend. 
So I'm not okay. Okay. really sure how to handle this. Because she's like, Emily, she's young. She makes desserts. She's Aunt Emily? That Emily? Emily? She's like famous for her desserts. Right. So, so we know what she does for a living and she's successful. Yeah. But yeah. she doesn't say anything. <laughs> right. So I'm not really sure. This one might be a pass because they talk about a woman. But mm. again, if you really dig deeper, they're only talking about her because they're talking about what Harry's up to and who he's dating. So it's still sort of about him. Yeah. So that yeah. one's a shrug. Yeah. Hard to say. Let's go back to it. Because this happens a few more times where Sally is at Marie's wedding dress fitting. Ah, uh, yes. Hideous 80s dress. Oh, God. Disgusting. So bad. And they're talking about Harry, and then they're talking about another of Harry's new girlfriends. And then Marie says, oh, she's thin, pretty, big tits. Your basic, your basic na- nightmare. nightmare. <laughs> Which, okay, why do you have to shame her for how she looks for no reason? Why do we need to talk about women that way? We don't. <laughs> I'm yelling now. It's a rant. I'm screaming. <laughs> and then they talk about her dress, and she's like, what do you think? And she's like, oh, Marie. And it's like, she literally thinks it's so beautiful. She cries. And it's literally one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. And she's like, tell the truth. It's just beautiful. So I guess we'll give that one a pass. Although they're talking about the dress that she's going to get married to a man in. Okay. Well, I don't know about all this, but I'm going to say that it (laughs) seems like why they don't pass though, for both the like girlfriend, Emily thing and the dress things that they're, those are just moments in a larger conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're never having one single scene that does not include right. the guy as subject. Yep, that's a good point. Uh, there's a few after this. At Marie's wedding, Sally and Alice are talking, and they're talking about Marie. I've never seen her so happy. Oh, yeah, she's so happy. It's great. And then, well, what are you going to do about you? And that's a conversation, and then a guy immediately comes and pulls Alice away. Like, let's dance! So I suppose, again, because they're talking about Marie, and no men are mentioned in that conversation. A man does swoop in (laughs) and literally drag Alice away. Alice's husband wants her to dance. Jesus! (laughs) That one's also a pass question mark? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then they're at the New Year's Eve party. Sally says to Marie... I'm going home. And Marie says, you'll never get a taxi. And then she turns back to her conversation that she's having with a dude and keeps fake laughing at his stupid joke. (laughs) Take a sketch writing class. Learn how to tell a fucking joke, dude. (laughs) (laughs) And then later on, Sally's like, I'm going to go. And Marie's like, but it's almost midnight. And she's like, but the thought of not kissing someone is just... That to me does not pass because she's like, I'm leaving because there's no one for me to kiss. Yeah, there's no, no, no man for me to kiss here. There's no one for me to kiss. I am a failure. So of these, what did I say? Eight or more conversations throughout the movie between women. Only like one of them is one or two of them is just like a sort of pass. maybe kind of question mark. It's upsetting <laughs> that they couldn't have done a better job with this or made it more Seeing clear. as it was written by a woman. Right. Too. I think that's the other issue. Although, who knows how many writers out there are writing movies with the Bechdel test in mind. Well, in 1989, probably no one because this was barely exist. a thing back then. Yeah. It's not surprising. It's just 
frustrating that there were so there were a bunch of conversations between women, but because they almost exclusively talk about men, or if their conversation is about a woman, it's in the context of who is well, she to a, that man, right? So I'm gonna give it a like a barely pass. Oh, I was test. gonna say no, but okay. You're okay, the, let's you're the professional. With you're the no. professional. Well, you know, like I'm new. Let's go with no. Let's do it. This movie does not pass the Bechdel test. The end. You heard it here first. <laughs> I think we've made a, a good case for it not passing. I think so. Yeah. I think you really broke it down. Thank you. So let's rate the movie on our nipple scale. All right. We rate the movie on a scale of zero to five nipples. They are generally human nipples, but if you want them to be cat nipples, that's okay too. Then you're uh, three nipples short. <laughs> right. We rate it based on the portrayal of women. I'm going to give it a one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. I think I'm going to have to agree with you for going by be- portrayal. Yeah. yeah. A one because, and again, like I, this is what this movie is about. But also there are plenty of rom-coms out there where the pursuit of a romantic interest or a romantic relationship is the main plot, but there's still other things. There's other things at stake. There's subplots where the character has a career thing, a career goal, or a friendship where they don't just talk about the man. Like It's just because every single moment in this movie is sort of framed in how a woman is going to try to fuck a man and a man's going to try to fuck a woman, and can they be friends? And no, because that's not a thing, according to this movie. Even though I could name 20 men who I'm (laughs) friends with, who I don't want to have sex with, and I don't know whether or not they want to have sex with me, but probably not, I'm a wretched person. Caitlin! (laughs) But I think that this movie made up a rule that is horse shit, and it's problematic. But anyway, do you have any final thoughts about... The movie, anything you want to say? I mean, no, it's definitely like ruined like a great part of my childhood for me. So uh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, really sobering, you know. Uh, <laughs> but it is it was just really great to know this. There's someone else who's also disgusted by strawberry ice cream and apple pie. So thank you for that. I cannot get over it. But Naomi, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Where can people follow you online? Holler at me on Twitter at Blacktress. Hell yeah. You know it. Thanks for taking the time to be here. It was such a treasure to talk to you about when Harry met Sally. Our whole conversation pretty much passed the Bechdel test here today. Woo! So yay for us. Yeah. We were talking about a movie. We did it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. The Bechdel cast. It's me, Caitlin, and... Jamie. I'm and just poking my head in. You're poking your head just in. Just poking my head in, saying, hey... Wait a second. I was dancing with a kid when I should have been doing the podcast. <laughs> it's okay. I forgive you entirely. We've got busy lives. So we talked about When Harry Met Sally, but yes. you and I have not talked about it. So let's do that now. Okay. So I first saw When Harry Met Sally a year and a half ago. Um, oh, pretty recent. Pretty recent. And it was at the insistence of a guy I was dating who insisted it was just my kind of movie. Hmm. <laughs> turned out it wasn't and he was not the kind of person I wanted to be spending my time with so a lot of hard lessons learned in, in this journey we call life but 
I hadn't seen it, but I did when I saw it already know a lot about and really loved Nora Ephron. Mm -hmm. So I have like a tricky, I know I'm inclined to want to give this movie more breaks than it deserves because I love her so much. Sure. Yeah. Well, I spend a few different moments of the episode saying something mean about her writing (gasps) and then apologizing to her. So her Nora. ghost. <laughs> hey, speaking of ghost. ghost, that was a fun one. Yeah, <laughs> we actually mention it a bit on this episode. Hell yeah! So go back and listen, go Jamie. Back and listen. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> what were your thoughts about the portrayal of, of women, women in Harry Met Sally? Okay, I hate Harry. Harry's the worst. I love Billy Crystal, but I hate Harry and um. Sally, I feel like, I don't think that she's a bad character, but I think she's fucked over in every conceivable way by the plot and by all the powers that be in the movie. Um, She's fucked over in every single way, and half of the time it's made out to look like they're doing her a favor when they're actually fucking her over. Wait, can you give an example? Well, like, okay, so one, one of the examples is, like, they set the precedent right at the top with, like, the documentary, like, old couples talking, and women don't even talk in half of those a lot of them it's very passive and so we're set up at the top of like this is true love so whoever the female counterpart is in this movie is going to be you know forced into that thing that they set up at the top it's weird because it's like sally has a life she has a job she writes for like New York Magazine, right? Well, we don't know. That's one of the things we talked about. We hardly know anything about her life outside of her relationship with Harry. Right, right, right. And it's, I do, I, she's a professional writer of some She's kind. a journalist, but that's pretty much all we know. Right. And then there's the, uh, what's the guy who's not Harry, who's also a journalist. Who, oh, Jess? Yes, who never shuts the fuck up about his job. And so we know all about his journalism. And it's like, but we can't know... Like, what is Sally working on? Like, what does she write about? about? What kind of journalist is she? What's her beat? Like, we don't know, you know, and she's made out to be like a bitchy professional, but we barely know what she does. (laughs) So that pisses me off. Even though it's like, I trust that the character is doing the job and is self-sufficient, but it's just like the story does not seem to care to let us into anything. Right. Outside of Harry. Harry is a toxic piece of garbage. Obviously, they shouldn't end up together. Well, and then then there's just like the big theme of like men and women can't be friends, which is wrong. Right. (laughs) I spent a lot of time talking about that, how it's a very like outdated, heteronormative, wrong notion. When I was rewatching and then I was reading a little bit, there's a great piece that came out over five years ago now on Split Cider by a great writer who I think is at the New Yorker now. We know what she does. Her name is Blythe Roberson, and she's great. And she wrote this pretty comprehensive piece on a number of the reasons why it's not a uh, feminist masterpiece. (laughs) Um, But one thing I learned from reading that was that in the original ending, Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner had them just stay friends. That would have been... A toxic friendship. Well, I would have liked that ending so much more. Because, and that's another problem with Sally for me is like she, the version of Sally I have in my head wouldn't end up with him. I think the version of Sally in my head would stay as 
friend, but even right. then, stop answering texts after a while. <laughs> right. Ghost on him. Kind of. Inspired just, by the movie Ghost. Well, we were talking about this kind of recently. Yeah. Uh, about, like, how do you remove yourself from a friendship that is just like, ooh, this is like a very negative thing in my life. Like, that seems like the more realistic problem for them to have to deal with of like, clearly they have a connection, they have history, I get that they're friends. Even then, I'm like, the friendship, that's got to end at some point or change because it too is very toxic. Well, like with a lot of Hollywood movies, there's a huge emphasis placed on the romantic relationship and making right. sure it works out. So they have to end up together at the end. They and have even to. if it doesn't make sense for the story or the characters, and I would have loved for it to have them not end up at the end because right. it would have proved his theory wrong. Because like, it's wrong. <laughs> it's confusing to me because it's like I have to feel. To, to keep my world afloat, I have to feel that Nora Ephron knew this. Knew that this message is a commercial message and not true to anything. Right. Because she... Uh, Nora Ephron's so fucking cool. And she she was subtweeting before Twitter existed. She's the most <laughs> passive-aggressive person in the entire history of the world. But so... Oh, God. Because she was married to Carl Bernstein of Woodward and Bernstein. Oh. And he completely fucked her over, you know, cheated on her, all this horrible stuff. And then she spent years just subtweeting him via very high grossing movies. And, like, <laughs> it's great. And I love, like, her, like, core tenant is that everything is copy. And so she, you know, a bit, bit of a bridge burner. In terms of like, well, if you fuck me over, go to the movie theater in a year and a half and you can see how much I fucking hate you. <laughs> but that, to me, I'm like, that's cool. That's Nora Ephron in a, in a crew cut lady kind of way. It was very punk rock. Uh, I didn't know that much about her. So I like, yeah. It's a great documentary like about that. her on if you, if you can convince your little brother to give you his HBO Go password, check it out. That's my advice to it. Blanket advice. <laughs> hey, you don't have a little brother? Too bad. Get one. Grow up. Make sure he gets an HBO Go password and then steal it from him. Yeah, your little brother probably has student discounts. That's what my little brother has. <laughs> well, this movie also sort of perpetuates this idea that sex is going to complicate everything in a friendship, which, right. sure, I'm sure it does in some cases. And I'm sure in other cases, it doesn't. I know this from experience where yeah. I've had... Friendships or, like, sort of budding romantic relationships where we've had sex. Mom, I've had oh sex before. Oh, Lord. Lori. She, she, Lori, we're so sorry to fact, tell you this way. But, uh, no, um, I've had, like, you know, budding romantic situations where mm-hmm. I have had sexual intercourse with that person. <laughs> and That's my new ringtone. Sexual. Sexual intercourse. <laughs> And we ended up not continuing to date, but we kept as friends. Like, we didn't keep having sex. I have a number of people I can say this about. Also, my best friend of 12 or more years is a man who I've never had sex with. Is it because he's gay? 50%. I was about to say, it's not (laughs) because he's not handsome, because JT is so handsome. Check out his episode about Twilight. Hot babe on the loose. (laughs) Look out. 
Yeah, it's just this movie's operating by these like very archaic standards. Right. And 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 it's like there's no excuse for it. But I'm going to try and make one. Uh, <laughs> like even if they acknowledged inside of that very narrow-minded ideology but it, we're not saying that, that no man and woman can ever be friends, but sometimes it can blow up a friendship, which is not as fun a thesis statement to make, so <laughs> you can't do it. But it's like, you know, the, obviously we've all had friendships that have been obliterated by by making an intercourse goof. You mean sexual intercourse? Sexual intercourse. <laughs> but then there's other friendships where you're just like, oh, that was weird. Let's let's go back to never doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. This is spoken from life, <laughs> right? Ripped from the pages of my own life. Hey, it's not. Sorry about coming, that. Coming from coming. two. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come with your friends <laughs> or do whatever you want. Oh, right. Yeah, your yeah, heart. yeah. I mean, I've my most of my problems with the movie are in like the first and last ten minutes, where it sets you up to if in this very narrow-minded, completely not true to reality, you know, men be this, women be this, mm-hmm. and then at the end they're like, well, in spite of men be this, women be this, men be this, and women be this, right? And now they are fucking, and it's just like, eh, well, they get married like four months later or some horseshit. No way does that marriage work out, or it does, and they're fucking miserable. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no way that marriage works out well. In context, this movie came out, what, 89? Yeah. That's, I guess people, I mean, people are still getting uh, married for dumb, dumb fucking reasons today. But more so than, I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like this movie, it's weird, because Nora Ephron is everything that this movie is not communicating i mean i don't know a whole lot about the influence of the studio kind of thing right. about this movie but you know sometimes there's like well they have to end up together because this think is hollywood baby i so, think that's why the ending changed yeah but that's still there's this still like what they set you up with at the beginning like i didn't remember how weird the documentary part is like right. with uh, you're just like oh women uh, they're just they, they're not really participants in this often not at all right uh did we talk about carrie fisher at all we did yes we mostly just talked about how her entire existence is framed around the men that she's involved with first the guy who won't mm-hmm. leave his wife for her and then jess oh and i had a real problem with the scene where she bonds with jess because she read and quoted back to him something he had written that makes no sense about theater and restaurants. And I was annoyed that, like, it would be great if she came up with an opinion on her own, and then he had also the same opinion, and that's how they bonded. But she was just like, here's a thing I'm going to say. I read it in a magazine. He's like, I wrote that in that magazine. And she's like, let me come for you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Everyone in this movie could be doing much better. Except for Harry, who should have died at some point (laughs) in Act 1, and then we could have experienced something less toxic. And Harry is such a horrible character, and it's not even worth discussing all the ways in which he's horrible. They're not compatible. It drives me nuts in a movie where... There's a woman, and then there's a man near her, and they're both... long enough... He literally wears her down, and they're like, isn't this romantic? 
and you're just like, no. So often you see, you have no idea why two characters like or love each other apart from the fact that they both want to fuck each other and they just happen to be near each other quite a bit. Like, Well, their names are in the title. So, so. <laughs> it's just so often that no time is spent developing their relationship and why they might be compatible. To me, Harry and Sally, they make no sense together. They have widely oh. different personalities and takes on life and it makes no sense why they'd somehow be soulmates or no, whatever. I think Harry needs to be passed away <laughs> in Act One. But I also think that you know, realistically, it's like that's someone that you've got. He's got to find like a, a really like aggressive uh, partner who will just fucking steamroll him and put him in his place because otherwise he's just gonna be an asshole all the time, like he is to Sally. Right. Sally needs someone who uh, I don't know what is she. What, uh, what we don't know anything about her really, so right. hard to say. Well, who she should be with. A better version of this movie would be if Harry, if they met, thus the title, mm-hmm. Act One, Harry dies in a tragic choking accident. Christ. Maybe he tries some of her apple pie with strawberry ice cream <laughs> on it. And he's like, oh, God, it's so disgusting. And then chokes and dies. And then someone's like, I'll have what he's having. <laughs> <laughs> and then... She's like, oh, I'm a journalist. Let me pursue this career. And then the whole movie is about her life as a journalist. I just, yeah. I trying to knew more about her. To oh, uncover God. who Deep Throat is or yeah. who the whole Nixon. I know it's not the right era. Listen, but n- talking about Nixon's going to be triggering for Nora Ephron because she was married to Carl Bernstein. That's why I'm so saying that. Yeah. She's got to leave Nixon out of unless unless she felt <laughs> but pre- it's emotionally like, prepared to really write what you know. Woodward she would know about. What if that. she you would be great if Nora Ephron hated Carl Bernstein so much that she wrote a whole screenplay that was like Nixon was good. <laughs> and Woodward and Bernstein never should have done those things that they did. Carl Bernstein sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that for her. Yeah. Pour one out for her. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you want to rate the movie? Yeah. I'm going to give it two. I know. I know. I know. I'm going to give it two because I love Nora Ephron so much. I think that Sally has potential, like extreme potential, as a character that we should know more about. And has all the you know she's like a rough outline of a good female character with no shading or color or other art metaphors so i'll give it to uh carrie fisher rest in paradise her character stinks though and billy crystal is a toxic piece of garbage but boy can the man host an oscar ceremony (laughs) i give it to they are nora efron's dead nipples I didn't assign my nipples to anyone. Ooh, wait. Um, Here's your chance. Now's my chance. You just got the one, though, right? I gave it one nipple. It belongs to Alice, who Hmm. gets almost no screen time. We barely even know who she is. Mm -mm. Why is she even there? I mean, great that there's another female character. Does she only ever talk about men? Yes. Like literally only. It's not also, we concluded that the movie does not pass the Bechdel test. Oh, no, it doesn't. I I have no argument. Yeah. I w- a few scenes where I was like, well, they talk about her wedding dress or they talk about. I, I, a- the, I don't know. I was so like frustrated. 
drain it by the time I was like, it's a hetero wedding. Doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that has been our episode in. That was when Caitlin met Naomi. Right. And And then when when Jamie uh, showed up an hour late. (laughs) I I was ghost. (laughs) In this one. But even though we didn't really intersect, we still had a great time. I've had a great time here today. I look forward to listening to it. Yay. Yeah. You can follow us, the Bechtelcast, mm-hmm. on social media at Bechtelcast on Twitter, on Instagram, Face Facebook, B. and if you like our episodes, if you Please. want to really alleviate some of our production costs for the episodes that you listen to for free, you could, if you want to, donate us some money on our PayPal. It would really help us out. We'd really appreciate it. You can go to PayPal.me backslash Bechtelcast. Give us a couple dollars. Give us $8,000. Those are your choices. <laughs> Anywhere between a couple and 8000 would really do a lot for us. No, but we, we appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who has donated. Feel yes. free to set up a recurring donation if oh, you so certainly. And, and thanks for your little notes. We've gotten a lot of notes from people who've been like, oh, love the cast. Notes. Keep it up. Yeah. Oh, so cool. thank you. All right, Jamie, thanks for being here. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Oh, my God. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.